Well, thank you, Peter, for leading us in prayers this morning. The Easter story, it tells of a message being passed on. I'm going to begin this morning by, um, by just reading an account of what happened on that first Easter morning. Because you see, Jesus' body had been taken down off the cross. He was certifiably dead. There was no doubt. A spear had been stuck into his side and, and out flowed um, two liquids, it says in, in Scripture. that the, the liquid that flowed out was clear. And what that, what that means is that the blood had stopped circulating, the heart had stopped beating. And it stopped beating for long enough that everything carried in blood, all the, the red blood cells and everything else, had sunk to the bottom. This was a lifeless body. And so when the spear was put in the side, out flowed the, the plasma, as we would call it today. Jesus was dead, there is no doubt. The body was taken down off the cross. It was placed in a tomb. And in Luke's Gospel, in chapter 24, we read these words. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. They were going to prepare the body for its final burial. They found the stone rolled away from the tomb, but when they entered, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were wondering about this, suddenly two men in clothes that gleamed like lightning stood beside them. In their fright, the women bowed down with their faces to the ground. But the men said to them, Why do you look for the living among the dead? He is not here. He has risen. Remember how he told you, while he was still with you in Galilee, the Son of Man must be delivered over to the hands of sinners, be crucified, and on the third day be raised again. Then they remembered his words. When they came back from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven. That's the disciples that were remaining, minus Judas. And to all the others. It was Mary Magdalene, Joanna, Mary the mother of James, and, and the others with them who told this to the apostles. But they did not believe the women, because their words seemed to them like nonsense. Peter, however, got up and ran to the tomb. Bending over, he saw the strips of linen lying by themselves, and he went away, wondering to himself what had happened. You see, first of all, the women went to the tomb, having taken the spices ready to prepare the body. They couldn't do it over the, the Sabbath, so they had to do it at their first opportunity. When they'd got there, they see the tomb, the stone rolled away, they go in and this mysterious messenger says to them, he is risen. How did they receive that message? They were referred to think back to, to the words of Jesus and suddenly there was a penny-dropping moment. Surely not. Yeah, I know he said that, I remember him saying that, but... He was handed over, he was crucified, he's died, he's surely that last bit. He's risen. Still trying to make sense of it, they, they, they run back to the 11 disciples and they pass on the message. 
But the disciples didn't believe them at first because their words seemed like absolute nonsense. When we pass on a message, it's so easy to get it wrong. I once passed on a message and got it wrong. We've been away on holiday. I must have been about seven or eight, I think. My brother and I are members of the RSPB, junior members, and so we suddenly got binoculars for Christmas, and we were really interested in, in checking out um, birds and things and learning what they were and listening to the different calls. And we got home, and um, there'd been a, an article in the RSPB junior magazine, and it'd been talking about sparrowhawks, and sparrowhawks were becoming quite scarce at the time, certainly in the southeast, and so they asked for people to keep an eye out for these birds, and we'd tried and we hadn't seen one. I don't know if we would have recognised it, even if we had. But we got home, and we were absolutely delighted. We were beside ourselves with excitement because we went into our conservatory and we looked up and there was this thing blotting out some of the light. And so we legged it up to my brother's bedroom. He had the room looking out across the conservatory roof, and sure enough, there was this bird of prey dead on the conservatory roof. And we got the magazine and we looked up and we found a picture. And it was a sparrowhawk. We thought, yes, we've got a dead sparrowhawk. How good's this? We hadn't quite got the whole preservation of birds bit. But um, we were chuffed to bits. And so um, I remember my, my brother opened his bedroom window and being the youngest, I was dangled out by my ankles and I was sort of hanging over the conservatory roof and getting lower and lower. And eventually I managed to get a tail feather, but that came off. And finally I managed to get a foot and drag this corpse and, and I had it. And um, my brother said, right, you put your weight on the roof. So I put my weight on the roof, passed the bird up. So I passed it up and he then disappeared and I'm stuck on the roof. Anyway, that's a different story. What we did then was we got the magazine and we found the address. And there was a, um, there was a um, form that you had to send in sending the details of where you've seen a sparrowhawk. And we thought, we haven't seen it. We've got it here. We've got the evidence. So we went down to the post office and we got this jiffy bag, like jiffy envelope. <laughs> right, we were doing a good deed. And so we, we stuffed this sparrowhawk into this, this jiffy envelope. And... Um, we, we, I remember it because we managed to get the, the, the head, in, head in a corner and then the, the, the feet in the other corner. And it was, sort of, it was a bit awkward, but we managed to stuff it in there. And um, we filled out the details and we put this form in there. Now, on the, on the back page, the reverse page of, of this form that you had to fill in, there was, a, um, there was a, an article all about carrier pigeons. And the headline was, I know where you live. It was all about how homing pigeons, uh, sorry, not carrier pigeons, homing pigeons, how they um, can go off and fly for miles, be taken hundreds of miles away from home, and they always find their way home. I don't remember much about the article, but I remember the headline, because we put it in, put this form in, having filled out all the details about this sparrowhawk, took it up to the post office. Now, this was before the days of, a, of sort of an electronic weighing scales and stuff. The bloke in the post office took one look at it. I need a hard service, really. But took one look at it, and um, he put it on his scales, and then he got, the, got the, the old stamps, and he went in the ink, and then... And of course, he did that in the top, top corner of the envelope. Now, I know that's where the sparrowhawk's head once was. And me and my brother just sort of stood there. We hadn't thought to write fragile or anything like that on it. And so he's just stamped this envelope twice. And we get this sparrowhawk back and get told to go and put it in, in the basket in the post office. And we, we sort of, you can feel it's gone all, whereas once there was the, the shape of the skull, it's now all just like, it feels sort of, you know, like vegetable soup or something. 
And you think, oh, this hasn't gone as planned. But we put it in, in, the, in the envelope, posted it off, and we were really excited to hear back. We never heard anything back. We never got a response. And for years, I thought, oh, what a waste of time. I don't know why we bothered. You know, we were all excited. What a shame. But of course, it's only in adult life that I realized that one day, some poor employee of the RSPB would have had come into work on a Monday morning, found this, this jiffy bag sitting on their desk, opened it to find a mangled corpse and a blood-stained letter saying, I know where you live. As I say, sometimes a message doesn't get passed on in the way that we'd like it to be. When, the, when, when, when these, these, these angelic visitors appeared to these two women and they, they pass on the message, don't you remember, Jesus is alive, and the women go running back to tell the disciples. And the disciples, despite the fact that they've seen the healings, they've seen the miracles, they've heard the teaching, they've spent the best part of three years with Jesus, they don't believe them. Because the message of the resurrection is unbelievable. It's unbelievable. The women tell the message, but the disciples did not believe the women because the words seemed to them like nonsense. And we live in a world, we live in a country, certainly, where the vast majority of people that we will meet day in, day out, will hear that we're a Christian and think, well, they're, they're lovely people, but they believe that nonsense. And our job as Christians, the almost impossible task that we've been given is to convince people that it's not nonsense. And that's difficult. That's so difficult that it's not even a new phenomenon. Paul wrote the, his first letter to Corinthians in about AD 53-54. Um, so about 20 years after Jesus had died. Now, that's not that long a time, there would have been people still alive in, in Jerusalem and the surrounding area who had witnessed Jesus, who remembered the miracles, the healings, who, who, who had the stories. Maybe they'd been passed down one generation, but some of them would have been eyewitness to these things. And despite that fact, Paul has gone to Corinth and Paul has, has preached the good news of Jesus, the risen son of the living God. And people have believed it, and a church has been planted there. But within, within 20 years of the death of Jesus, that doubt, that, that nonsense idea has begun to creep in. No, surely not. I mean, I can, the feeding of the 5,000, perhaps we can explain that away. The walking on the water, it's clever, I'll give him that. But, but rising from the dead, no, come off it. And Paul has to write to them and tell them, no, remember what I taught you. He says in, in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, Now, brothers and sisters, I want to remind you of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and on which you have taken your stand. By this gospel, you are saved if you hold firmly to the word I preached to you. Otherwise, you've believed in vain. We either believe in Jesus or we don't. We can't cherry-pick the best bits and just leave the awkward bits to one side and pretend they never happened. Paul goes on. For what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance. So, so in other words, this is, this is the crux of it. This is the most important bit of all the important stuff I told you. That Christ died for our sins according to the Scriptures that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas and then to the twelve. 
After that, he appeared to more than 500 of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living, though some have fallen asleep. Then he appeared to James, then to all the apostles, and last of all, he appeared to me also as to one abnormally born. So in that statement, Paul gives a challenge to those in Corinth who had heard the message of the resurrection and started to think it was a bit of nonsense, a a confused message that had been lost in translation somehow. Paul says, Jesus, the living Jesus, appeared. Not just to one or two, not just to the disciples, but to over 500 people, many of whom are still alive. You don't believe me? Go and check it out. Go and ask around. Ask the questions. You see, if today I was to make something up, something ridiculous, you'd say, all right, well, I'll go along with it, Tom. Show me something, some evidence. Convince me. Show me someone who's, who's, who's been there, who's seen this thing you claim to have seen. If I suddenly said I was walking home last night and, and I bumped into a little green man and he said he was from Mars, there you go, aliens are real, I've said it. You say, well, I'm not going to take that. I want to... Who else saw this little green man? Have you got pictures? Have you got evidence? Can you show me his, his spaceship or whatever? And if I couldn't pr- provide anything like that, then at best you'd ignore me, at worst you'd have me locked up. Quite rightly. But you see, what Paul says is, is there are witnesses to this. There are over 500 people who, who saw Jesus. Go and find them. Go and find them. Because if, if Jesus wasn't who he claimed to be, if he hadn't done all the things that have been recorded in the gospel, then that sort of challenge would very easily be quashed. Someone from Corinth would go and say, okay, yeah, fine, I'll take you up on that. Ask around in Jerusalem. Anyone, anyone see Jesus after he died on the cross? Did anybody see him again? I know it sounds ridiculous, but we've got this loony who's been telling us that he was alive again. Did anybody see him? Something like that, news like that, would not have been forgotten. You're not going to have people saying, um, phew, long time ago, mate, 20 years, I don't know. You're not going to forget if someone walks out of the grave, are you? No, of course not. It doesn't stand to reason. People went to Jerusalem. People spent time with those who had seen the risen Christ. Any whiff of challenge was was stamped out because of the weight of people saying, yeah, I I saw him. I know it sounds like nonsense, but I was there. I saw him, and, and him, and him, and her, and she was there, and that child, they were there. It happened. And because of that, The gospel message is still being preached 2,000 years later. If there wasn't that body of evidence, if there wasn't that weight of testimony, then there's no way that the gospel message would have made it 2,000 years onwards. No way. But Jesus did appear to all those people. We read in scripture about him eating with them talking with them. This wasn't some ghostly apparition born out of a, a, a desperate mind of a disciple who was, who was struggling with the, the psychological impact of losing his, his, his closest friend. It's nothing like that. Jesus ate, ate food. He, he spent time with people. He walked with people. He talked with people. He taught people. 
the more we look at the evidence of Jesus, the more we look at the evidence of the resurrection, the more we come to realize that this is anything but nonsense. And what's even more impressive is that Jesus still appears to people today. Not through a physical body, but through a spiritual awakening. What we've witnessed here today in a baptismal pool and what we've witnessed many times over the years in this baptismal pool and what other churches do as well is, is, is people saying, I want to make this, this outward demonstration of the inner change because I've met Jesus. I've experienced the Holy Spirit in me and I can't, I can't, I can't draw Jesus out somehow and make him a, a physical, tangible lump. I can't say, Jesus, come on in and say hello to my friends. But what I can say is that I've changed inside and I need to do this because I know it's the right thing to do. I need to show people that I am, the old me is gone, the new me is here. The new me that is born again in Christ Jesus, my Lord and Saviour. Jesus said to us, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Earlier on, when I was talking about baptism, I spoke about the Old Testament and how the temple had this place called the Holy of Holies and, and only the high priest could go in there once a year after all these, these cleansing rituals. Because if anyone else went in there, their sinful nature would just cause them to, to be destroyed. Just like that. And the reason for that is because God is so pure. If I have a, a vat of, of perfectly pure water, perfectly pure, the second that I dip my finger in, it's not pure anymore. Because although I've just washed, <laughs> I've still got germs on the end of my finger. We all have. And so the second that the slightest thing goes in, you can't call that vat of water pure anymore. You can have a whole ocean. The second you, you squirt some food colouring in there, you might not be able to see it, but you know it's not, it's not pure. It's not as it once was. And so sin into the presence of God just doesn't work because God's presence is no longer pure. And that can't happen because God then wouldn't be God. The whole point of God being God is that, that he, 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 he is goodness. And so what Jesus is saying when he says, I am the way and the truth and the life, no one comes to the Father except through me. What Jesus is saying is, you've, you've got to follow me. Come, come through me. I can, I'm going to go to the cross. He said these words before he'd gone to the cross, but he knew he was going to go to the cross. And on the cross, he was going to take the punishment, the penalty for all of our sin. Amen. So that then if we choose to follow him, and it is a choice, we can reject Jesus there is no obligation. There is no heavy-handed force involved. If we choose to follow Jesus, we can point to the cross and say, I haven't earned it. I'm not worthy of it. I don't deserve it. But because of that empty cross, because of what Jesus did on that cross, I can enter the Holy of Holies one day. I can come into the presence of God. I can call God Father. I can address him directly. That's such a privilege. It's such a privilege. It's such a gift. Only Jesus could have done that for us. Jesus didn't have to. He wasn't forced to. But you see, that message... That message that 
was first passed from, from the ladies who went to the tomb, was taken back to the disciples. The disciples at first dismissed it as nonsense. Then Jesus appeared to them. The disciples then started spreading the message. Jesus appeared to more. As that message spread and spread and spread, it led to the birth of the early church. And in the book of Acts, we read this wonderful picture of the early church, a group of people who came together, and because of the shared recognition of what Jesus has done, they shared things together, they looked out for each other, they sold their possessions and used the money to help one another. This beautiful picture of the early church. Now, of course, the church has done plenty of good in the world and plenty of wrong, plenty of bad things. And we often hear, don't we, the negative headlines, people who have who have abused positions within the church. And it hurts. It's sad. It hurts God and it hurts us, or it should. But without the early church, without that message being passed from generation to generation, we wouldn't have, we wouldn't have cathedrals. Now, some people might say, well, that's not such a bad thing. But actually, you go to Norwich Cathedral and you wander around the grounds and you see the school and you see what used to be a hospice and you see all the, all the buildings around. When cathedrals were, were built in city after city across Europe, around them were built places where the, the sick could go, where the poor could be looked after, where, where children could be educated. All these things happened, and it was the church that drove all these initiatives, and we forget that. We forget that the church has had such an impact on, on our everyday life for generation after generation. We wouldn't have had people like... Um, People like Florence Nightingale, who looked at the abysmal conditions in hospitals and said, hang on a second, no wonder people are dying. We need to be working on this, we need to be driving this. People need to be treated better than this. They deserve more. We need to look after them and show love and care and compassion in clean, sanitised environments. She drove that out of a Christian heart. Elizabeth Fry looked at prisons and said, look, I know these people are criminals, I know they've done wrong, but they deserve more. They deserve to be treated like human beings, not like caged animals. And she drove prison reform, and it changed lives, and we still see the benefit of it today. William Wilberforce, the slave trade. There was a time when a church just sat by and happily watched the slave trade taking place, and then Wilberforce stood up and said, no! Look at the scriptures, look at what God says. This isn't right. He devoted his life to, to driving change. And eventually we live in a world now, 500 or so years later, where we're abhorred by the idea and ashamed of it, and rightly so. But it was because a Christian stood up and said, no, I've read the gospel, and this is what it says. So when we go out into the world and people dismiss us as, as nonsense, let's just remember that actually we represent a movement, a historical movement that has literally changed the world. So many good things that happen in the world today were born out of, out of a Christian heart, were driven by the church. And the church isn't perfect, we're not perfect, that's why we need Jesus. But Jesus believes in us. He believes in our power to change things, to make a difference. We've had two young men this morning give their lives to Jesus. And that is such a wonderful privilege for us. That's such a wonderful privilege because they're going to go out into the world and they're going to make a difference. They're going to make a difference to the people they meet. But the great thing is it's not just restricted to them. Each and every one of us 
has the power to do that. Because each and every one of us has the opportunity to have a living, real, powerful relationship with the risen Jesus Christ. On this Easter Sunday, let's take that message into our hearts and let's go out into the world and drive for justice, drive for peace, drive for grace and mercy and love to be shared with as many people as we can meet. We might feel like we can't make a massive difference in the world, but we are part of an institution that has made unimaginable differences to the world and to the individual lives of so many people because they've carried the message of Jesus and it hasn't been lost in translation. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you for the empty cross, the empty tomb, and we thank you for hearts filled with your Holy Spirit. Lord, we thank you that Jesus chose the cross, but we thank you that he also chooses us. We thank you, Lord, that we have the privilege of calling ourselves your children. We can call you Father. And Father, we pray now that you will fill us with everything we need, equip us with all the strength and all the tools that we need to make a difference to the world. Help us to to put our own selfishness or greed or anything else negative, help us to put that away and instead to share the love, the unending, unquenchable love of Jesus with all that we meet. And help us to know, Lord, whenever we are on the receiving end of mockery or accusations of believing in nonsense, actually we stand for the church. And the head of the church is Jesus Christ, your son. So let us go out into the world proud of our God who raised his son from the dead. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's stand together as we sing our final worship song this morning.
Baptism is a gift. Easter is a gift. Jesus is a gift. It's been a privilege to celebrate that gift this morning. Please do join us for refreshments after the service, but right now let's pray. Father God, we thank you once again for the gift of Easter. We thank you for the gift of your son, Jesus. And we thank you for the gift of the Holy Spirit that is in us and around us. And as we go out into the world, Lord, please be with us, we pray. Give us the strength to share our faith, to proclaim the name of Jesus. Father, we hold you so dear, but we know that you hold us even more dearly. We are your people, Lord, and we pray that you will bless us as we go about our day today, as we go about our work this week. Whatever you have in store for us, may we do it in a way that pleases you, that honours you. And may we reflect the goodness and the glory of Jesus to all those that we meet. In his great name we say together, Amen. Amen. So be blessed. Have a wonderful Easter day and celebrate Jesus together. Amen.